What was it about the 90s that made movies so much better? How much of an impact did they make during that decade? And while we're at it, can we throw around some 90s slang? Join me, Jason Soto, a lover of all things 90s, as I do a deep dive into cinema from the best era ever. Rabbit Hole Podcast presents That's the Bomb, yo! 90 Hella Rad Movies from the 90s. You can find this show on Anchor, Apple, Google, anywhere you get podcasts from, or its home location at rabbitholepodcasts.com. And who knows, maybe even Alicia Silverstone will finally accept my date. Ah, I was held to him by sheer force of fear and witnessed sights that no human tongue could repeat. Gradually, I came to find Herbert West himself more horrible than anything he did. That was when it dawned on me that his once normal scientific zeal for prolonging life had subtly degenerated into a mere morbid and ghoulish curiosity and secret sense of charnel picturesqueness. His interest became a hellish and perverse addiction to the repellently and fiendishly abnormal. He gloated calmly over artificial monstrosities which would make most healthy men drop dead from fright and disgust. He became, behind his pallid intellectuality, a fastidious Baudelaire of physical experiment, a languid elegobolus of the tombs. Herbert West Reanimator, 1922. Hi, and welcome to A Strange Eons, a podcast taking a look at visual Lovecraft adaptations and comparing them to the original story. I'm your host, Bear, and today I'll be covering 1985's Reanimator. And just for clarity's sake, I'm treating this like a standalone film, and I'm not going to acknowledge Bride of or Beyond Reanimator in this episode. So, where Lovecraft regarded last week's Color Out of Space to be his best work, Herbert West Reanimator was definitely one of, if not his greatest, of all the least favorites. He was paid $5 for each installment, so that's like $88 today. And they all had to start with a recap and end with a cliffhanger. And when you read the short story, it's pretty obviously different from his other works, both in terms of like style, structure, and story. It definitely stands out as kind of unique from all of his other writings. Um, now, to be honest, I didn't really hate it when I read it for the first time. A lot of Lovecraft fans really, really dislike this story. And did I think it was the best? No. But I thought it was interesting at the very least. Compared to something like The Street, it was at least kind of a like neat concept. And it's not like it was the first work of his I ever read either. Um, I read it later than I read most other stuff. Like I'd already hit the greatest hits of Color Out of Space and Innsmouth and Dagon. Uh, and this is kind of a rare case too. Actually, I'm thinking about it, it might be the only case where I saw the movie adaptation before I ever even read the story. Um, I have a huge soft spot for wimpy nerds, so movie Herbert West kind of holds some high esteem in my heart. He falls into this category of, like, dweeb nerds that I have a fictional crush on, so, like, Seymour Krelborn, Egon Spengler, you know, like, the weird, kind of off-putting, but intelligent people. And what that says about me, I, I don't want to think about too hard. But I have to admire how kind of wonderfully unhinged both the story and movie West are. 
There's some changes between the two, like the original Wes was blonde and had pale blue eyes and a soft voice, but for me, and I think most people, Herbert West is Jeffrey Combs forever in my mind. On the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast, they had the director of Reanimator, Stuart Gordon, on for the corresponding episode, and he talked about how originally he was looking for a blonde actor, but Combs was just so on the same wavelength of West that it worked perfectly. Because, you know, he's unnerving, but West has this kind of, like, commanding and borderline charismatic presence. Like, his design is perfect. They In the movie, you know, they have him always in this collared shirt and tie. He has the big glasses on, and he always seems like he's almost preoccupied with something else when he's not directly doing science. Like, he's on the edge during these calm moments, like when they very first introduce him and he immediately jumps to the cadaver. But under tension, he gets just so focused on research that he almost seems calm. Like when um, he and Dan are attacked in the morgue and he just tells Dan to keep taking notes or at the end where he overdoses Hill on the agent, it seems like he's making these like really intentional choices to be brave or power through, but it really is just he is so focused on this damn research. Um, it's a great parallel to the short story too, like uh, in that you know, he gets shouted at the Italian woman's husband for her death, but he's busy with other things, so he just kind of leaves. Um, and, you know, I, I like in the movie, too, it, he always just doesn't quite fit with everyone else. Like, in the class scene, he's sitting all nicely in his stool, and he's breaking the pencils, and I just adore it. Um, I think Dan Kane is great, too. I love any sort of Lovecraft protagonist that latches themselves on to an insane researcher, like Randolph Carter and Harley Warren. And it's kind of funny in the movie and in the short story how fast Kane just hops on board with this whole operation. Like, he's he's one hell of a ride or die. I can understand thinking, oh, you know, maybe, maybe this guy West is on to something. But I don't know if my next step would be, yeah, let's go rob a morgue. But it's not like you can blame him either, because it seems like West has answers, and even if it doesn't work perfectly. The reanimator serum does function. For a narrator who's mostly used as a way for the audience to see West from a quote-unquote normal person, I think the film does a good job at making him this fleshed-out character while still keeping him as this kind of puppy following West around. Um, he's a fun contrast to Combs West especially. You know, I, I think... He's definitely this kind of all-American medical student. He has a fiancé, he has sex, he has the action scene at the end where he's in the white tank top, covered in blood, carrying Megan through the ER after fighting off Hill's corpses, you know, and his, his hair's kind of scruffy, and he, you see him casually get along with a lot of characters like the security guard outside of the um, morgue, but, and he, you know, he has that polite, I'm here for your daughter interaction with Halsey. And then you have West, who's just this awkward and stilted and almost painful to watch character in every interaction with, like, characters other than, like, Dan Kane. But, and I, I think it's one of the best scenes in the whole movie. At the end, Kane does have that lean-in with the reanimating agent over Meg, and he has that same kind of unhinged look that West does. Albeit it's for different reasons, but I think you can definitely see there just how similar him and West really are. Because in the original, he's this unnamed audience stand-in, and I think in the movie, he still definitely plays that role. 
But unlike the original, he doesn't really condemn Wes's actions in the end. Um, similar to how I don't think the movie audience would really condemn Wes's actions at the end of that movie. Um, in the original, too, you you kind of see how he gets along with Herbert West because he's describing these horrible things and he's talking about how terrified he is of West, but he's still moving around with him. You know, they get a little house together near a cemetery and escape in the middle of the night. So it is just a fun, like, I, I think it's pretty good at staying true to the original source material. And although there's characters added I think that the movie really adeptly kind of characterizes everyone. I mean, obviously you have Weston Kane, but you also have Halsey, who in both versions is this almost villain. But when you think about it, you can't really fault him in the short story for not allowing West access to cadavers. And although I do think in the movie he jumps the gun with the whole expulsion thing, it's not like he deserves the fate he gets. And I, I do really love how they show him in the, um, like, padded room next to Hill's office, just bashing his head into the wall. Uh, I think that's a great, um, kind of imagery. And, and Hill himself is, he's disgusting, but he's great, but he's disgusting. Because West has these kind of questionable means to his end, where you get where he's coming from, you kind of want him to succeed. Like, this is arguably a kind of cool thing, but he's, you know, Hill is just a motherfucker, and I, he's a stand-in for the original stories, Clapman Lee, who is, um, this, he, he in the short story has this separated head and body, and he kind of takes West's work, and, um, that's how he ends up defeating West in the end, but for the, how the plot is adapted, I think it's cool to have Hill be this character who tries to plagiarize, and who just is this irredeemable dickhead, um, so I think if nothing else, the characters are definitely recognizable. So I'll get to bigger plot differences in a second, but I think a lot of people will criticize the, um, tone of the movie. You know, I've seen a lot of criticisms, especially from older Lovecraft fans, no offense to them, but older Lovecraft fans say that they wish that the story was taken more seriously and that it wasn't a comedy. But I think the weird nature of the serialized writing style combined with the nature of homebrew, which Reanimator was originally published in, which was this kind of humorous pulp horror publication, makes the campiness of the movie really work. Um, I've heard, you know, I've heard people say it doesn't remain true to the source material, but I think for what it is, the source Reanimator is pretty funny, especially for Lovecraft. You know, there's the... Um, damn it, it wasn't quite fresh enough after Halsey goes on his rampage or the, um, the visitor wasn't, was neither Italian nor policeman in the third part, or even just that detail of West suffocating reanimated bodies with a pillow. So I think the movie scene of, like, the cat rampaging or the cat dead details later or, um, make a note, J Dan, as they're all getting jumped by zombies, they kind of match the tone of the source material really well because, like, the original, it's not that the whole movie is funny, but there's these moments of humor that contrast with the horror of the plot. Like, the original, for example, has, like, a moment where a bunch of reanimated corpses come and drop off the head of Clapman Lee, which is arguably a tense moment, and you can tell it's heading towards a climax, but then one of them chokes out Express prepaid. So the visuals in the movie definitely kind of add to a similar humor, like in the cat scene, where arguably it's kind of horrific that this cat 
is dead and probably in pain and reanimated, but they're both just swinging at it with these bats. And then you also have, like, that opening scene where it's a gory mess and it's all gross, but West is on the floor with Gruber and is more frustrated that he messed up his dosage. Um, But the original, you know, too, uh, to get into plot stuff, takes place in the middle of a typhoid outbreak, and it spans years, whereas the movie has nowhere near as long of a time span. Details are pretty different, too. Um, In the short story, you have the meat and Dan and... Herbert start grave robbing rather than invading a morgue. It's almost like details are kind of combined um, from the short story. Like Halsey is killed by a reanimated corpse that's kind of similar in nature to the boxer in the original rather than him getting typhoid and he gets torn apart rather than West in the end. Or you have Hill being killed by West rather than West murdering a traveling salesman. So I do like these changes. And I definitely think that completely scrapping, like, the boxing scene was for the best. I think Stuart Gordon has said, or had said before, God rest his soul, that cutting the scene was intentional, and I don't really blame him for that. Um, For anyone listening who doesn't know, the original story has a section about this boxer who dies in an illegal fight. And after West reanimates him, he goes on to kill this kid and show up at their door with his arm in his mouth. And in the segment, in kind of classic Lovecraft fashion, He manages to be both horrifically racist and xenophobic. So I think that even if the screenwriters had kind of adapted the scene to keep it into the story, it would have been weird to work in with how they kind of um, approach the plot in general. And it also, I think, would have just been a gross reminder of the original. Because I love this story and I obviously love Lovecraft, but he is such a motherfucker. And so I'm fine with adaptations that entirely cut out those segments of the originals. In kind of a similar vein to the addition of a woman is almost unheard of in any original Lovecraft stories. You have Lavinia Waitley, you have Lilith, and you have um, Wait, and none of them are protagonists. You know, they're all side characters. So there definitely are problems in the movie with how Megan Halsey is depicted. Because, you know, at the beginning, she's shown to be intelligent. And she has this kind of, like, understanding about Wes that he's kind of a weirdo. But then she becomes a damsel in distress in the end. And there's that whole scene with Dr. Hill where he's just a head. And re-watching this, too, I had totally blocked out how much nudity there was. I, I think if we reanimated Lovecraft and put him down and said, Hey, go watch this movie, he'd say the hell is a movie, but then he'd probably drop dead again after he saw the first set of tits on screen. Um, and I'm by no means puritanical about my media, but good lord, there is a lot in that movie. Um, I originally started watching it in my school's campus center on my laptop, but then I kind of was like, I think I'm gonna wait till I'm alone, because there's the nudity, obviously, but then there's the gore, too. Not that I'm complaining, about either of those by any means. Um, I think they work really well for the film. And the gore especially is great. You know, you have the ending with all the naked corpses and their entrails are hanging out and it's gross, but it's so good and so well done. And even the tamer gore scenes like Hill's class where he opens the head and shows the brain are really, really, again, well done. And I read somewhere that they went through something to the tune of like 25 gallons of fake blood. Um, But, you know, the gore effects, I... If I'm remembering right, you know, a lot of them were done with, like, just animal meat. 
but I I think that they're great. You know, they can be, I've heard arguments that they're excessive, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but I think it's a fun sort of excess. Um, you know, and as iconic as the goriness of this movie is, there's also the reanimating agent itself, which glows that fluorescent green, uh, which is actually just, um, what's it called? Luminol, like what they use at crime scenes. I think it's my favorite visual effect in the whole film. Uh, it's just like so iconic, that reanimator green. And it definitely has the feel of like, they should not be touching or messing with that stuff. Kind of like radioactive waste. Uh, the color palette of the movie isn't as prominent necessarily as something like Color Out of Space with, you know, it's magentas and it's pinks, but I really like the contrast of this otherwise kind of average bland color palette with the reanimating agent, which is obviously kind of the star of the movie. And even if you just compare the agent itself to West's design, he wears all that black and white, and you see it in the movie itself, obviously, but also in those promotional posters where he's holding the bright green agent, it's a, kind of a fun separation, I think, between the human and this inhuman scientific substance, because it really is, you know? Um, like, man does not have the power to bring back the dead. So, of course, the thing that's going to be bringing back the dead is going to look just wrong. Um, you know, and Reanimator is obviously an iconic movie, and although it isn't a perfect adaptation by any means, you know, it doesn't follow really the same plot, it follows rough details, it follows ideas, um, but the tone and characters of the movie are amazing, and at the very least, it's fun, you know, it's a good watch. I obviously love this movie a lot, um, I think Jeffrey Combs and Bruce Abbott are great. Visually, it may be isn't as interesting or intricate as, you know, Color Out of Space with all the pinks and magentas and the swirling masses and the and the weird alpaca stuff, but the gore in this movie is well done, and I think it adds a lot, because yes, it's campy, yes, it's a little bit silly and excessive, but it's kind of in the spirit of the original short story, I think. I can also recommend reading the original, although a lot of people don't seem to like it that much because it's different than a lot of Lovecraft's writing. I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. It's more action-based than anything, really, else in his catalog, um, so I tend to recommend it to people who maybe don't like Lovecraft for his cosmic kind of creeping horror, but it is a lot of fun to read, you know, and it's silly. And hey, speaking of, if you want a place to listen to Lovecraft or other cosmic horror, everything we do here at Rabbit Hole Podcast is sponsored by Audible. If you go to audibletrial.com slash rabbitholepod, you get to try it free for 30 days. You can download any audiobook, original show, or podcast you want, and after 30 days, you pay $14.99 a month and access thousands and thousands of audiobooks, shows, or podcasts. You can cancel any time, and if you do, you get to keep anything you've downloaded. Again, audibletrial.com slash rabbitholepod using that link helps us out and you support this show and any others on the network you can also support this show and others by going to patreon.com slash rabbitholepods for as low as three dollars a month you get early access to episodes and all kinds of great bonus content with that being said with strange eons is hosted by me bear you can find me on twitter and tumblr at o-e-u-r-g-h or over on instagram at doglike carnivorin this show is edited and produced by jason soto and is just one of many rabbit hole podcast shows find episodes of this show and others over at rabbitholepodcast.com, Anchor, Apple Pods, Google Pods, and wherever else you may find your podcasts. Thanks!
copyright 2022 rabbit hole podcasts rabbit hole podcasts.com